will I be able to watch it back? I won't be able to watch it back because I didn't record it. So, sorry. Um, I'm gonna move myself out of the way. Um, yeah, so anyway, I will probably go off on tangents, um, but I'll try not to, try not to keep you too long on a Sunday morning and try not to go off on tangents too much. Um, but, so, um, the things we'll be covering in this webinar today will be all things energy balance, so what calories are, how to calculate calories, and what exactly, I put what the F is a calorie deficit, because it's a term that's flung around so much, um, with people like James Smith and other people talking so much about it, but I think it's used so much that without any context people don't really understand what it is so I'm going to go through that um fast versus slow fat loss um so which method is best like which which might be the best method for you and who suits which method best um why you potentially might not be losing weight um I will touch on little diets like keto and slimming world but I won't go into too much detail about those um and then we'll be talking about you know, your metabolism as well and busting some myths about, around metabolism. Um, and then finally, we'll go on to sort of what to focus on. So tracking and non-tracking methods, because I know some people can find tracking like absolutely mind-blowing and it, um, it's just too much hard work, which it can be. Um, and then what should be on your plate. So three things for me guys if you have any questions at all pop them in the chat and I will come I will come to them and answer them as and when I can um be quick to engage so say hello get involved ask questions um and be quick to share as well so if you could take a photo of this um and share it to your social media that would make me really happy um but yeah, at any point, if you've got any questions, just feel free to pop them in the, in the chat or take yourself off mute um, and ask away. Basically, the main thing is I just want to give you clarity on exactly what um, energy balance and ca a calorie deficit is and go through different methods of tracking them and also tell you what you should and shouldn't be focusing on as well. Um, so let's just see. Oh, Sophie's already put it on her Instagram story. Thanks, Sophie. Um, so, your body is the most accurate food diary you will ever keep. Energy balance doesn't run on a 24-hour clock. That's just how we measure time. That's how we organise our time. Um, so, your energy or your fat stores right now the most accurate representation of your energy balance over time so it's not something that happens overnight it's not something that happens within sort of a week or two your energy stars are a, rep a representation of the behaviors and habits you've had over your whole life and um, they're a direct representation of your energy intake and expenditure throughout your whole life so I put that in really big bold letters because I thought it was just a really like good quote. I can't remember who who said it, 
Um, so I just put unknown. But um, yeah, I just thought it was a really good quote and it really opened my eyes as well um, when I heard it because you kind of stress so much about like, am I doing the right thing? Like what, what method should I be using? What diet should I be on? Like how much should I exercise and um, how shall I track my calories? And how do I even know if I'm eating the right foods? Well, actually your body will tell you that your body will be your food diary basically. So what are calories? So calories are the way that we measure energy in food. Um, it's the amount of heat that's needed to raise the temperature of a kilogram of water by one degree Celsius. And it's measured in this, one of these called a bomb color, color oh God, a bomb calorimeter. <laughs> and it's basically a sealed container and they, they'll put like a substance in it, like a sample, and it, they literally burn it to a crisp and they'll measure how much, um, how long it takes for that, the water in that container to be raised by a degree Celsius. And therefore they'll be able to figure out the amount of energy that's in the food, in the food or in the sample, should I say. So this is under very specific, like scientific, um conditions and obviously our bodies do not work like that they're much more complex and and they don't work in the same way so we don't absorb all of the calories that we eat and some of the calories that we take in are used to digest and then not all of them are digested some of them come out as waste as well so when I talk about energy in this slide, I'll use the term energy and calories like interchangeably. Um, but remember calories is like, like we measure distance in miles. Calories is the way that we measure how much energy is in food. So in terms of our energy balance, it's the amount of calories we consume through food and drink versus the amount of calories we burn and that's not just through exercise that's through like fidgeting um digesting food like pumping blood around your body breathing all of that stuff counts and if your calories in so if the amount of calories you take in through food and drink are less than the ones that you expend this will result in fat or mass loss and the reason why I've put mass there is just because not we, we're not completely made up of um, fat. So we want to, when we're in a calorie deficit, we want to maintain as much lean muscle mass as possible. And that's why you'll hear me bang on about resistance training, why you'll all be resistance training, and um, why you'll hear me bang on about protein as well. Because when we are in a calorie deficit because we will be using um we don't just sorry we don't just what's the word I'm looking for we don't just burn down fat break down fat stores to use as energy and uh, we will break down lean muscle tissue as well and it's really important that we preserve that as much as we can and we do that by resistance training and increasing our protein intake so 
if your calories out so that was a, a deficit so if your calories in are less than you burn off then that will result in fat loss and if your calories in are more than what you put out that will res result in fat or mass gain and just this little figure here is um a pound of fat is three and a half thousand calories so often when we are weighing ourselves and we might like weigh 74 kilos one day and then we might go out for pizza and have a few drinks then the next day we might weigh like 76 kilos and you'll be like what on earth I shouldn't have eaten that pizza why did I do this myself um I've just I've just gained two kilos and I, what, what I really want you to take from this is a pound of so there's two pound per kilogram so that's seven you would have to overeat seven thousand calories above your maintenance calories so if your maintenance calories are two thousand calories you'd have to eat seven thousand calories above your maintenance calories for you to put on two pounds or a kilogram of fat so if you ever if you are one, someone who uh, wears yourself and you do feel that anxiety and that stress over I've put two kilograms on like what on earth's going on what am I doing wrong it cannot especially if it's in like a matter of days it cannot possibly be body fat so it's 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 physiologically impossible so yeah that's why I wanted to put that there just because I don't want you to stress um it's it's we are made up of a lot more than just fat it's water it's muscle mass it's food volume that you've got in your stomach like that always stuff so so yeah um anyway gone off on a tangent as I said I would um so the amount of energy that you store long term is dictated by the amount of calories you consume and the amount of calories you expend um and then what else did I say just so I touched on um in being in a deficit muscle mass can be maintained by resistance training and eating enough protein and if you build muscle you can maintain your physique on higher calories because we when we weigh more when we build muscle and it takes years to build muscle it takes a long time and um, when we weigh more we it costs us more energy to move around and just to live so we need a higher amount of calories to um, to do that, to live, basically. Um, so before I move on, I'm just going to check the chat. Um, so we have to burn off three and a half thousand calories to burn. So we have to burn three and a half thousand calories to burn a pound of fat. It sounds like, it sounds like a lot which is why counting your calories can be so um, so beneficial because it really educates you around your, um, your food intake, your energy intake. And when, when it's not something that happens, like this is why I say all the time, it's not something that happens overnight. Like it does take time, 
but for me to put you on like so say three and a half thousand calories um that's like a 500 calorie a day deficit so if you think your maintenance calories might be around we'll take 2000 again your maintenance calories are 2000 calories if I was to put you in a deficit of 500 calories a day to lose to lose that pound like pound of fat a week you would be miserable absolutely miserable and it's some people if you're wanting like a fast rate of fat loss and we'll go into this like um later on in the webinar but um if you're wanting a faster rate of fat loss and you are kind of used to you're used to it you're used to doing it like dipping in and out of dieting phases then it might not feel like you're doing you're in a huge deficit but um for someone who might have potentially a poor relationship with food um someone who likes to socialize someone who enjoys going out for meals and things like that it'd be in my opinion very unfair to put someone on 1500 calories a day and that's across seven days just to lose that pound of fat um so that's why I go and I'll go through in the next few slides like how to calculate your deficit and what percentage to use um so yeah it's it is crazy um but in the same way that you have to that that's how many calories you have to burn that's um that's another reason why like small fluctuations in scale weight are just not not um relevant not relevant they're nothing to worry about basically um so let's move on let me so this next part I'm going to go through um something called total daily energy expenditure so we've chatted a lot about sort of what calories are what energy balance is and um now we're going to talk about sort of how our body burns calories and the total daily energy expenditure is the amount of calories we use breathing pumping blood around our body digesting food activity so walking cleaning gardening or I say I always say gardening like I'm a gardener and I'm absolutely not absolutely can't stand it um <laughs> but and exercise as well so it's made up of four different different types and I'll go through each of these types in a little bit of detail but they will vary from day to day and they're not rigid at all so you sometimes people show this in like a bar chart but the way I've been taught from people who've taught me about nutrition is it is like changeable they're not rigid and they're all estimates because we're not no two days are ever the same when it comes to your energy expenditure so for example if you think about a day that you do a workout your um eat which is this one will be bigger than than it would be on a day where you didn't do a workout for example um so you can calculate an estimate of your total daily energy expenditure using a calculator 
which I will tell you about, I think on the next slide, or it might be on this one. Um, you can also use the NHS website, but that's based on averages. So the NHS website gives around an average of 2,000 calories for women, 2,200 for men, and then it'll um, deduct a deficit, but it's based on average people. And I think one of the biggest thing take-homes from this is you are your best own scientist. It's always an estimate and you will need to monitor it and adapt it. Or because you work with me, I can help you do that too. So um, it's split into four sections. We've got BMR, which stands for basal metabolic rate. And that's the amount of calories that your body needs at rest. So if you were just lying in bed all day, not moving, you, that's the energy or the calories that your body needs to pump blood around your body, keep your heart beating, breathing, and literally just not even doing anything, not even moving. Um, it is correlated to your weight and to a lesser extent, your body composition. So the heavier you are, the higher your BMR will be. And there are a lot of factors that can affect your BMR. And if you look, it's almost, it's 70% it's of the total calories that you'll burn like across the day and there's so many factors that affect it so when people say like oh it's just it's just a calorie deficit it's just calories in versus calories out technically it's not because there's so many factors that are out of your control that can affect this such a big portion of your energy expenditure and that can be things like age sex your body size your body composition your ethnicity hormonal status, genetics, physical fitness, so, and your diet, dieting history as well. So our body does something called metabolic adaptation where um, the, if we're dieting a lot and we're making ourselves smaller, changing our body composition, we won't need as, as many calories to to we won't, we won't need as many calories so for example if I weighed like 90 kilos and my my BMR was like I don't know this is a, just a total guess but like 1500 calories and then I lost 20 kilos my BMR wouldn't be the, the same amount it would probably most likely reduce and that's the, the reason why I say monitoring it and adapting it is absolutely key so um, that is your BMR. So there's this one here, um, which is KEF, and it stands for the thermic effect of feeding. And this accounts for approximately 10% of the energy that we expend through the day. And that's through digestion, absorption, and disposal of food. And the percentage... So different macronutrients and your macronutrients are your things like carbs, protein and fat have a different um, level of how many, how much energy it takes to break those foods down. So if you had carbohydrates, for example, the five to 10% of the calories within that carbohydrate, let's use like a slice of bread, for example, um, 
five to ten percent of the calories in that slice of bread will be used to digest absorb and dispose of waste um with protein it's it's quite a bit higher so when we eat protein 20 to 30 percent of the calories in that protein sauce for example let's take a chicken breast so 20 to 30 percent of the calories in that chicken breast will be used to digest it to absorb all the essential amino acids and nutrients and everything from it and then dispose of the waste of it as well and then with fats it's the same but it's a lot lower so it's not three percent this is another reason why um for having a high protein diet can be really beneficial because it takes a lot more energy to break it down which means it lasts a lot longer in your digestive system and it keep this is that's why it keeps you fuller for longer um having said that so there too so the bmr and the thermic effect of feeding a normal natural body um what's the word I don't know what the word is. Functions. They're based on normal bodily functions. Um, so we shouldn't try to uh, control those two factors. We shouldn't try to change them because there's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. The next ones I'm going to go on to are the ones that you do have control over. And this one is neat. And this is this one here, the purple one, 15% of your total daily energy expenditure is all the activity that you do that's outside of planned exercise. So anything that's not exercise like fidgeting, walking to the toilet. So if you're drinking more water, you'll be walking to the toilet more, which is you'll be increasing your energy expenditure because you can't stay that still for very long because you always need a wee um so that's not me having a like sneaky way of getting you to move more by telling you to drink more water by the way um so it can have a huge impact on fat loss because it's not just conscious movement it's subconscious movement so like while I'm stood sat here talking on this webinar I'm like talking with my hands like I'm fidgeting I'm wiggling my toes because I can't sit still and all of that is subconscious and all of that contributes to the energy that we or the calories that we burn so a lot of people measure this in terms of the step count and it's an amazing way of measuring your meat which is your i didn't say this it's your non-exercise activity thermogenesis um is the technical term for it but it's a great way of measuring it and it's a good way of in like a good indicator of whether you're increasing it or decreasing it but it doesn't measure everything so it might, might measure how far you've walked but it doesn't measure like if you blow, blow drying your hair or that fidgeting or anything like that um so you can use this to calculate your calories so um let me just so there's something called the harris benedict equation that you can use if you google a harris benedict calculator it will there'll be loads that come up it doesn't matter which one you use because it's an estimate anyway 
Um, and that will calculate your BMR, which is this portion here. And then what we need to do is we need to figure out our total daily energy expenditure by multiplying that BMR amount by your activity level. And these numbers here are the numbers that you would multiply by, that by. So if your BMR was 1,200 calories and you were, I'm not going to try to do this maths in my head, but you were like, said you were lightly active, which is probably some standing and walking through the day, you'd multiply that 1,200 calories by 1.4 and it'd give you your total daily energy expenditure. And from that, you'd then deduct to put yourself in the deficit or you'd add on to put yourself in a surplus. Um, so just to give you a bit of an idea of the numbers, so if you were sedentary, that's someone who sits down for most of the day. Like I would say probably if you're sat down for eight hours of the day, I would say that you're sedentary and probably less than about five. But I think it's so there was a study that linked step count to activity um, and <clears throat> to non-exercise activity. And I think it was around anything less than 5,000 steps um, was classed as sedentary. 1.4 would be lightly active. So some standing, some walking. Um, maybe getting up out of your chair every now and then to like walk around or walk to a different part of the office or um and then 1.6 would be moderately active so someone who's like a salesperson on the feet for the majority of the day um so if you like work in a car showroom or if you work in a jewelry shop or in a um like a, a clothes shop or something like that then um someone who's very active would be 1.8 so so like labourers, um, someone who does hard exercise, probably five to six days a week. And then two, pop two would be extremely active. So I would um, say probably athletes, people who exercise daily um, and like maybe like, maybe like comp competitive athletes. Um, so that's how you calculate your calories and um, your total daily energy expenditure. And remember that that's an estimate. So the numbers I use, I use 15 to 20% reduction of your total daily energy expenditure to get your deficit. And what I will do is I will think about you as an individual and sort of have an idea of what your relationship with food's like, what your lifestyle's like and things like that. And I will use that to determine your deficit. Um, so, for example, if your total TDE was 2,000 calories and I put you in a 20% deficit, that would mean your calories for a deficit, a calorie deficit would be 1,800, um, 1800 calories. And that would be across seven days. And what I really recommend is like times in that by seven and use them as a weekly target because then it allows you to go over some days under other days and factor in things like meals out and all of that stuff so um went off on a bit of a tangent then how to calculate your calories um let me know if that made any sense or if I just waffled on and it was a bit confusing <clears throat> because it can be a bit confusing but basically 
your non-exercise activity thermogenesis or your NEAT um, is such an easy thing to manipulate. And if it's not something that you're using, you definitely should be. And just some examples of how you might be able to increase your need might be walking to a different toilet in the office. So if you work in a building where there's like more than one toilet, instead of going to the one just outside your office, do you walk a little bit further and go to a further toilet? It might take like a minute longer, but it all those little minutes through the day will add up. Um, if you're going shopping, parking further away from the door, so you have to walk. To the door and then you have to carry your shopping further away and um, further back to your car and then so standing desks as well so you will burn more calories standing as opposed to seated and standing desks I would say probably there's more evidence to support sort of moving from a seated to a standing position rather than just standing all day um but yeah seeing if you can I know some offices allow standing desks um, and some, I don't know if some don't, I've seen them, they're pretty cool. Um, so while knee is an amazing thing, it does have some, if it's not monitored, it can be really easy to come away from that your usual and non-exercise activity um, because a response to reduced energy intake can be reduced energy output so if you're not having remember I, I said it's subconscious movement as well if you're not eating as many calories your body will naturally reduce the amount of energy it's putting out because it's it's it'll look to preserve the energy that it's got and as well, you can negate a deficit by reducing the amount that you move. So it isn't always an adherence problem when it comes to calories. Um, it's not always, it's not that you can't stick to your calorie number. It might literally be that you're not moving very much now because you're on lower calories. And um. I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, so it might just be that you're not subconsciously moving as much um, and that can then negate your deficit that you're in because you're not moving, so then you're taking yourself out of a deficit and back up to maintenance or even into a circle. Uh, okay, so the next one is some reasons why it might not work and it's like I say it's not an exact science it is changeable um, and there's so many factors that can affect it some within your control and some not within your control so first one would be if you are using a calculator to calculate your calories um, you could be under reporting now my fitness pal and I've put my fitness pal here because they are the the app that's got the biggest library of options when it comes to food but they're not perfect so anyone can go into my fitness pal and add in entries and they don't have to put everything in so um they don't have to they it's not fast to be right 
which is why I'd always recommend scanning the food labels so you can you know that you can be as accurate as possible um, and making sure that you're including things like sauces, oils and spreads as well. Um, oh no Sophie you did not miss that I didn't talk about it I forgot sorry <laughs> so um eat sorry guys <laughs> no it is so it's very misleading the way that it's put there so eat is exercise activity thermogenesis so neat is non-exercise and eat is exercise and eat is planned exercise so that's your workouts so I cannot believe I nearly forgot this thank you so much Sophie for highlighting that I'd forgotten it um so it's your eat is your planned exercise and that accounts for five percent of the total daily energy expenditure which is why the other portion so neat is so so valuable because you'll burn very minimal in comparison to your total energy expenditure you'll burn very minimal cal calories in your workouts and so many people focus on that as the main thing like the most important thing when actually it's not as for, for burning calories it's not the most efficient way of burning calories because you can get so much more just from increasing your knee and focusing on that um the the reason why we exercise is so much more than burning calories and it's things like maintaining lean muscle mass the effects it has on your mood um the long-term health benefits of exercise exercise and resistance training like reducing your risk of cardiometabolic conditions such as cardiovascular disease diabetes high blood pressure um they're the reasons why we exercise but it's not to burn calories because in actual fact it's not the most it's it, it everyone puts such a big focus on it when it comes to burning calories and they think if I exercise more then I'll burn more calories and I'll lose more fat but actually it comes down to the point where you've got to weigh up the cost and the benefit so if you are someone who's exercising like five days a week because you feel like that is the be very best way to burn calories but you're not recovering well enough in between those workouts it'll mean then that you're very probably very tired your mood might be low you then are more likely to make poorer food choices, which will take you out of your calorie deficit and up into a surplus, which will then mean that you're not losing fat. So, whereas if you were to do three sessions a week, you were recovering well in between those three sessions and you were increasing your knee, like going for a walk for 30 minutes a day, you're probably more likely to have much better results than someone who's going to the gym five days a week. Hope that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, it is a very it's a very small amount of the amount of calories that we burn on a daily basis. So if you think like if you spend one hour of the day exercising, what about the other twenty three hours of the day? Like you burn so many more calories in those other twenty three hours, even while you're sleeping. But everyone focuses so much on their ex their workouts. 
crazy mind-blowing it really like honestly changed things for me when I when I found that out and so just to summarize that little bit so BMR is the calories that we burn at rest so if we were laying in bed all day not moving not fidgeting or anything TESS is the calories that we burn when we're eating, absorbing and digesting food. Meat is our non-exercise activity. So anything that's outside of planned exercise, like cleaning, gardening, walking, fidgeting, um, yeah, anything. And then eat is the amount of calories that you burn during planned exercise, so in a gym workout. Okay, so back to my fitness pal um we were talking about under reporting and how easy it is to under report calories when it comes to my fitness pal I think the biggest piece of advice I could give anyone when it comes to logging your food and logging your calories is just to start somewhere start somewhere and be consistent you will not be perfect at it ever and you will certainly not be perfect at it straight away. Just be as accurate as you possibly can and give it a couple of weeks. So give it a couple of weeks. Generally, we do tend, we're creatures of habit and we tend to eat very similar things for breakfast, very similar for, things for lunch. And our evening meal will probably be a bit more flexible. So if you spend the time logging, weighing, and I know that it's so boring, but weighing your food out just weighing your sauces and your oils out um that information is already in there so it saves all your information you only have to do it once and you can just log in and put things in there as and as and when you please and it becomes a much easier process whereas if you're kind of in the now of it and some days you log in some days you're not some going on there and thinking or I think I think a tea a tablespoon of oil is like five mil five milliliters. Yeah, I'll just put that in when actually, and then five milliliters turns out to be like sixty calories, fifty calories. Um, when actually you've used the tablespoon really, and it's more like one hundred and twenty calories. That might not sound like a lot. That sixty calories difference, but if you're doing that, like twice a day for, for the full week like that really ramps up and that is what can take you closer and closer to maintenance or even into a surplus which then makes your results slower which then affects your motivation and things like that and can make it really hard to keep going um but yeah anyway you could be under reporting just start somewhere be consistent and just be as accurate as you possibly can so another reason and this is out of our control is food label and app inaccuracies so I said about in my fitness pal how it's not really regulated anyone and anyone can put entries in there but your food labels as well they're allowed legally to be wrong by 20% which is huge so it's not always a you problem it's not always like you're not doing the right things and 
you've gone over your calories because you, there was like more in there than you actually thought there would be even if you thought you you logged it properly like they can be wrong by 20 percent and in a study even registered dietitians misreported their calories by 200 calories on average so even the people who are the like pinnacle of nutrition and tracking and all of that stuff like they're the experts registered dietitians even they can't get it right so if they can't get it right don't put too much pressure on yourself to get it right just do the best you can and be as consistent as you can with it and so if you remember we spoke about the BMR which is how many calories your body burns at rest that can be wrong in some populations because there are conditions that can affect um, the BMR, such as PCOS and hyper or hypothyroidism. Um, PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome, and it's in people with PCOS, BMR can be 15 to 40% lower in people with that condition. So, and they, they won't even know about that. So people with PCOS often do struggle to lose weight and it can be really hard and it can really affect the mood um, and the progress. So this is why monitoring is absolutely key, especially if you have PCOS and just doing everything you can to promote weight loss, such as being try get yourself in, in a deficit, increase your need and things like that and focus on what you can control. In terms of hyper and hypothyroidism, they're conditions which affect the thyroid gland, which is just in your neck, and that's responsible for insulin secretion. But when you're medicated properly for hyper or hypothyroidism, you are brought back to baseline when it comes to your BMR, and energy balance still does apply. So anyone who has any of those conditions my advice would be just making sure that you are medicated correctly and if you are medicated correctly for it then energy balance still applies and do everything you can to um promote weight loss in as you would normally and finally the last one would be um you are overestimating your activity level so one thing I didn't mention on that previous slide was I would always underestimate your activity level because I think we do think we're doing more than we actually are and if you think about the day that you calculate our calories if you've had one of those days where you are literally run off your feet you'll think yes my activity levels are actually it's probably moderately active because all I've done is run around like an idiot all day Whereas if you were to have one of those days where you're just slobbing on the sofa and you've not really done the right lot, you're probably more likely to be like, oh yeah, actually, do you know what? I don't really like, I'm probably not that active. So always underestimate your activity level and because you often do think you're doing more than you actually are. So I'll just check there's no questions. You are still with me so far. I feel like I'm throwing so much information at you. Um, so, when do diets not work? So this is where I will touch on little little diets 
and I won't mention them too much. But um, diets only fail when they fail to put you in, an, in, a cal- in a calorie or energy deficit. And the different reasons for this will be that the diet doesn't actually attempt the calorie deficit. So things like keto and Slimming World, they focus on cutting out food groups and food label and like unhelpful food labeling. Um, and they focus on methods rather than principles. So they'll tell you like how to like, they'll tell you how to eat, but they won't tell you like how to create a calorie deficit. Another reason would be that you can't adhere to it. So a lot of diets fail because they're too restrictive, which means that you can't stick to it. And then this means that because you're restricting yourself, then you're more likely to overeat and um, quote unquote binge. And that cycle can be quite a hard cycle to get out of. And dieting, dieting shouldn't be sustainable because it's not something that you should be doing your whole life, but it shouldn't be unenjoyable and you shouldn't be restricting yourself too much. You should still be enjoying your life. And that's a really big part of like what I believe in. Um, so as we mentioned in the previous slide, underlying health issues such as PCOS and unmedicated hyper and hyperthyroidism, if you especially don't know if you, you're having, you've got those issues um, then it, it, and you feel like you might have some of the symptoms, definitely worth getting checked out by your medical professional. And then the final one, which I did mention earlier, was the diet focuses on methods rather than principles. So methods always change. And that's the reason why there's so many different ways to lose fat and there's so many different types of diet, but the principles never do. And the methods are how the principles are put into action. So the principle of fat loss is a, a, a calorie deficit. And there's loads of different ways to create that calorie deficit. And that could be things like, could be a ketogenic diet, which I would absolutely not recommend. Um, Slimming world, intermittent fasting, calorie counting, food diaries, all of those different methods. Even if you're focusing solely on them, if that method is not putting you in a calorie deficit, you're not going to lose fat basically, um, which is why a lot of them don't focus on principles, they focus on methods, because the principles are so individual and take so much time to nail, um, it can make it very hard and it would cost these companies a hell of a lot of money, which I'm sure they don't want to do. So let's move on to metabolism. Now there's a lot of like fancy like hormone names and things like that on here but the basis of this slide is I want to get across to you that there's no such thing as a fast and slow metabolism hormonal changes occur naturally as a response to our change in energy availability and our an energy availability is the amount of energy we have left over after we've expended calories and in tips took in took in calories that's not right. Um, so when we're in a calorie deficit or a surplus, we're taking our body out of 
something called homeostasis, which is how our body stays in a nice, um, I can't think, I have no words, I have no words today. Um, it's because it's Sunday. <laughs> so it, it stays uh, the same, like, I can't think of the word I want, but like your, tom- your temperature, your body temperature regulates, um, it tries to keep your weight at a regular, like, level oh my gosh I'm gonna just stop talking and move on and stop digging myself into an even bigger hole because I can't describe what homeostasis is (laughs) so this will cause changes to hormone levels as it tries to regulate and and there's three different hormones that this does affect so we've got cortisol cortisol which is a stress hormone Um, And it can increase appetite and affect your behaviours. So lack of sleep. If you're stressed and you've not had much sleep, you're more likely to make poorer choices. You've got ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone, and it increases the drive to eat. And then you've got something called leptin, which is um, a fullness hormone, and it reduces hunger. Um, Leptin receptors are found in fat cells, and this is just a really interesting fact. I think it is anyway. Um, they're really low down in the intestines, and if you're eating lots of protein and a high fiber diet, then that's that stuff gets lower down in your intestinal tract, and because you will have then have food there, your body will increase that drive to eat because there's already food there and leptin is satisfied that there's we're quite full so it reduces hunger because those receptors are deep down in your lower intestine um I'm sure if you've known me for a while you'll know that I'm full of useless information it's not useless information I just tell you stuff anyway um so all of this doesn't stop you losing fat. So calorie deficit and calorie surplus still applies. So when you're in a calorie deficit, cortisol and ghrelin are high. So that hunger hormone and those stress hormones are higher. So you might feel like your appetite's increasing, your, it's a, which is then affecting your, your behaviours and your drive to eat increases as well. And your fullness reduces because leptin levels are low in a calorie deficit. In a calorie surplus, your cortisol and ghrelin levels are low and your leptin levels are high. But what I wanted to do with this slide was just to give you a bit of background um, as to what your metabolism is and why you shouldn't try to change it. So... It, none of this directly stops you from losing fat. Your hormones are just doing their job and ch- trying to change your hormones will not get you anywhere. It's your behaviours because those changes in hormone levels affect your behaviours. And so don't try to change your hormones, change your behaviours, basically. Um, thyroid medication. So again if you're not if you're not appropriately medicated for a thyroid condition then this will affect your um cortisol and ghrelin and leptin levels as well 
And just the last point on this is dieting harder and faster doesn't damage your metabolism because if you come back to maintenance, your hormones will naturally re-regulate and get go back to normal. I hope that makes sense. Basically, don't try to change your hormones, just change your behaviours and there's no such thing as a fast and slow metabolism is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, so while we're talking about um, dieting harder and faster and we did mention it earlier, I'm going to go just quickly on to and we are coming up to 11 o'clock, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, fast and slow fat loss, and the pros for both. So fast fat loss is not always bad. In the beginning, it can give you a lot of motivation because you'll get quicker results. It means that you spend less time in a deficit and you can return to maintenance sooner. When we do fast fat loss, so when if I've ever done fast fat loss with someone it might be like a six week aggressive phase and they'll get a break like so you'll get diet breaks and then with with fast fat loss if you are resistance training and have a high protein intake um, and by high protein intake I mean like two grams per kilogram of muscle mass so if you were weighed like a hundred if you weighed like 100 kilograms, it'd be 200 grams per day of protein. Um, there's minimal muscle loss because you're not in a deficit for a long period of time. So that might be um, better for people who are wanting to reach a certain weight for an operation or for, so for IVF um, and fertility treatment. People who are have a sound understanding of energy balance and people who are already quite have a good relationship with food and quite experienced dieters might find fast fat loss a bit easier. Um, so slow fat, fat slow fat loss would be more focused on behaviour change, and this is something. I like to focus on with with certain people and um, it's much more manageable and it focuses on behavior change and it has the potential to protect and preserve your relationship with food which is really important it might be good for those of people who have less weight to lose so if you don't have if you don't have a lot a lot of weight to lose a slow fat loss um might be good for you and chronic dieters, so people who are yo-yoing on and off different diets, um, losing weight, putting it back on, losing weight, putting it back on, would definitely benefit from slower fat loss because therefore you're focusing then on the behaviours around fat loss and preserving that relationship with food because chronic dieters do tend to have a, a much partner relationship with food. So what do you focus on? Because that's very two opposite ends of the spectrum. So do focus on behaviours and habits, feelings of satiety, which means feelings of fullness and hunger, and really recognising when you feel hungry and getting in touch with those hunger cues. 
And this can be done by focusing on high protein and fiber. Focus on metabolic adaptation, which is the body adapting to dieting. So as you become a smaller person, you need less energy to keep you alive. So your BMR reduces. Focus on sleep and recovery because improved energy levels mean that we make much better choices when we're not tired. Focus on adherence and compliance. So think, is this something I can stick to? Is this something I can do consistently and do well? And then focus on making it, having a regular eating pattern around your current lifestyle as well. So what to not focus on, things not to focus on would be dieting for your body type, dieting for your blood type, I've seen like random things on like TV and social media about that blood type diets and body type diets, which are just absolute rubbish. Um, don't focus on balancing your hormones. We've spoken about that. Unnecessarily cutting out certain food groups. So we want to in include all food groups in our diet. Um, don't focus on fat burners and products that boost your metabolism it's it's just absolute rubbish and a waste of money um wouldn't focus on supplements so there are certain ones that are beneficial such as omega-3 vitamin d protein powders and things like that which will be helpful but before looking at your what supplements you should be buying look at your overall variety of nutrition and if you've got a good balanced diet, multivitamins are a waste of money, absolute waste of money, because the, um, the levels of vitamins that are in those multivitamin tablets, you will be getting from your diet, you will. And if you're focusing on a good variety of nutrition, then you, they're, not, they're not necessary and you can spend your money on whatever else, save your money. Um, so don't focus on eating clean. So absolutely no Tupperware boxes of plain chicken, rice and broccoli. Um, and then what Karen read in a celeb mag, like please don't take dieting advice from magazines or TV. Uh, okay, so, oh, I'm running over. I'm so sorry, guys. I definitely, we are almost done. So if you are tracking, Calories and protein are the most important things. You don't need to worry about fats and carbohydrates as long as you are getting them in your diet, um, then that's fine. Calories just to make sure that you're in a deficit or a surplus, so they're calculated towards your goal, and protein for satiety, recovery, and preserving lean muscle tissue. And it also helps with something called muscle protein synthesis, which is... Um, growth and development of new cells and uh, new cells in the body whether they're muscle cells or any other cells and that can be complemented by resistance training too um don't eat back calories from exercise and make sure that the app isn't tracking your steps use ranges um not daily targets this allows for spontaneous events and meals out it just means that you can go under one day go over the next improves life balance 
and limits over restricting because you are choosing joy in your life. You are still enjoying time with friends and family and your diet is not taking over your life. Using an app and a food diary can be really helpful if you're tracking. Um, don't track retrospectively. So make your food planned in. This is, means you're much less likely to overeat. You already know if you're anywhere near your goal rather than logging it after and then being over and under your target, feeling guilty for going over your target. Um, and as well, if you've already tracked it, you're much less likely to go for more because it's effort to put it in. Like it's it's effort to track in my fitness pal. Um, and I know when I was doing it, I would not, I'd put it all in and then I, I'd just want to shut it and I wouldn't want to look at it again. And I'm sure... I know someone who is listening to this that probably can relate to that. <laughs> um, so it does need education, but it is great for, a, for awareness. So give it a week or two of consistently tracking and adding data into it. And then you've probably got all the information that you need on there. So it just becomes easier. And my biggest, biggest tip is just to start. Don't, don't worry about being perfect. The numbers are an estimate anyway. If you are not tracking, um, I've put some images here of things that I took the route of the Facebook group, just like bacon medallions, not percent fat Greek yogurt, and these little ready meals that you can get as well um, in supermarkets. There are actually some good ones out there um, and not all ready meals are bad. So tips if you're not tracking, intermittent fasting can be really helpful for some people. It isn't magic. It just reduces the eating window. It doesn't have to be strict. You could just, for example, no food after your last meal. Skipping a meal. So maybe not eating breakfast. It doesn't, it's not magic. It's just reducing your eating window, which means you're much less likely to overeat. Simple food slots, food swaps, like low-fat or fat-free dairies, leaner meats. So you can get like three and five percent mince chicken breast instead of chicken thighs and then salt and sugar-free sauces as well can save you a ton of calories low and high energy days so if you're someone who goes out at the weekend you could go sort of maybe you don't snack through the week and then on a weekend you're going out for a meal you're going out for a few drinks or whatever um change your food environment so what does it look like when you're eating like are you just surrounded by absolutely loads of food and over faced um or have you got your meal in front of you you know what you're eating um and you know how much of it you're going to eat a lot of the time sometimes we don't have control over what's put in front of us but we do have control over how much of it we eat and just being mindful of that can be really helpful and another thing as well would be your accessibility. If something's not in your house, if something's not there, you can't eat it. So thinking about how accessible certain foods are to you. Um, eating bigger, less frequent meals reduces your likelihood of snacking in between. Um, not As well, not avoiding trigger foods. So if you are someone who loves a bar of chocolate, absolutely include it every day I would would encourage you to include it in your diet manage stress in other ways so if you feel like you're a, a bit of a stress eater then um look at other ways that you might be able to manage that stress 
and that could be something like exercise it could be journaling it could be it could be anything just try to not let it be food plan ahead especially if you're eating out so can you look at the menu can you already plan for what you're going to eat be mindful of your training volume and recovery so as I mentioned earlier make sure that you're recovering well in between workouts and you're not doing too much because this can affect your appetite and the decisions that you're making um staying hydrated so appetite regulation will not staying hydrated will regulate your appetite um and like I said at the beginning it'll help with your meat because you'll also be running to the loo all the time um, and then looking at your sleep hygiene as well. So making sure that your sleep environment is really optimal. So it's in a dark room, no distractions, no blue light. Um, comf- it's comfortable. It's, it's the right temperature because that just affects your quality of sleep. And as I've said, um, as I've said before, if you sleep well, you're much more likely to make better choices. Obviously, some people do not have as much control over how much they sleep, especially if you're a parent, and that can be a bit harder. So, okay, so what should my diet look like? I'm a big believer in the 80-20 principle. So 80% whole whole foods, 20% the foods you enjoy. This helps to avoid over-restriction by making space for foods that you do enjoy, and that includes chocolate, crisps, and pizza. Um, Three things that, well, actually, I could probably do without crisps, but chocolate and pizza, absolute must for me. Um, Base each meal around a protein source. So look at having um, a 20 to 25 gram portion of protein about four times a day. and if you struggle with portion sizes, so protein is like the palm of your hand. So that's how much protein you should have like four times a day. One to two portions of fruit and veg per meal. And it makes sure you're including starchy carbs, such as rice, pasta, muscots, um, and fats as well. So oils. Um, carbs are an energy source. The fibre adds volume, the fibre in them adds volume without adding calories, but make sure if you do increase your fibre content, you do it slowly and you increase your water intake as well because it can irritate your, um, it can give you some GI irritations, which you don't want. Um, So vegetables, size of your fist, starchy carbs, a cupped hand. If you imagine like a cupped hand of pasta, that's your portion size. Um, and then fats is your thumbs, is your thumb. So like oils, nut butters, cheeses and things like that. Um, last thing I'd focus on would be asking yourself about snacking. Is it necessary? Now, some people do enjoy snacking, which is absolutely fine. But just be mindful of the calorie and protein content in your snacks. And if your meals are big enough, you won't need to snack. So maybe question why it is that you're reaching for food. Um, Biggest things for me would be eat the rainbow, eat loads of different coloured vegetables um, and fruits and consider, especially in the darker months, supplementing with vitamin D as well, because we don't get enough of that in our diet. So I'm going to touch on the menopause because I know that... um, it's something that all of us will go through in our life. 
It affects 100% of 50% of the population and it's diagnosed after 12 consecutive months with no period. It can cause an increase in appetite, reduced meat and low mood. And we've got a less we we've got a less will to exercise as well. It can make the perimenopause and menopause can make fat loss seem impossible in some women, as the symptoms can be quite hard to manage. Estrogen and progesterone, which are our main sex hormones, the levels of those drop, and this causes changes in our behaviours, our mood, and our physiology as well. Fat gain may happen because of the behaviours changing due to those lowering hormone levels, but energy balance still applies. We, when we go through the menopause, we do have a redistribution of fat storage. So naturally, we are more pear-shaped. So we hold fat at the bottom of our body, lower abdomen, thighs and bum. And in the, in the menopause, this changes and we go into more of an apple shape and tend to hold fat around our midline. Um, so another thing um, to consider if you are going through the menopause is to, if you are not already, Put, get with some form of resistance training into your routine it's advised to improve bone renewal density and reduce symptoms like hot flushes as we hit 30 for every year we go above 30 we lose a certain percentage of our bone mineral density and that's something that you can't get back and women are at a much higher risk of developing osteoporosis and osteoarthritis for this reason because we're not producing the hormones to maintain that bone mineral density and we are much less likely to become frail we're much less likely to have injuries when we're older and we're falling um if we are protecting that bone mineral density i know that a lot of you guys as my clients um i don't think any of you are going through the menopause right now but even more important, if you're not, this is something that you are all individually currently working to improve anyway, because you're all resistance training. Um, I just wanted to raise a bit of awareness about it and show you that there's a lot more benefits to resistance training and exercise than fat loss. Um, final slide, final thoughts. So, my biggest things that I want you to take away from this would be to eat without distraction. So put your phone away when you're eating, eat away from your desk. If you work at your desk, eat away from it. Focus on the meal that you're eating. Put your foot knife and fork down between mouthfuls. Drink between mouthfuls as well. And just improve that mindfulness around your meals. Remove guilt from food. Food is energy. It's not good. It's not bad. There's no such thing as a bad diet. Everything in moderation. It's boring, but it works. And it's the only way it works long term and sustainably. Increase your protein and fibre. The, uh, the recommended daily allowance for fibre is 30 grams for an average sized person. And the current UK average is 18 grams. 
So everyone, generally, everyone will benefit from increasing the fibre, but don't forget that if you increase that, your water intake should increase too. When you're thinking about your intake, think weekly and not daily, and this just allows for flexibility. And then the last one would be emotional eating. So this is something we all do to some extent. Um, hunger, whether you're dieting or not, hunger is inevitable. We will always at some point feel hungry. But sometimes we're not, sometimes we're reaching for food, not for hunger, but for comfort. Um, so sometimes it can be helpful to question why you're reaching for food. And will you still want it after 10 minutes? Because chances are, if you find something else to occupy your mind, if you boredom or stress or emotionally eat, you'll probably forget about it. And nothing bad will happen if you sit with hunger for like 10 minutes. So find something else to occupy your mind if you are doing any of those things and just try to reduce the amount. of. It's easy for me to say this, but just try to reduce the amount of emotional eating you're doing and try to use something else to deal with those emotions um and then just finally which I haven't put on here creating habits so if you if you so if you drive and if you've ever had a new car this is going to sound really random um but if you drive and you've ever had a new car you really look after that car so I know when I've had a new, I've had a new car I've wanted to keep it clean wanted to keep the inside of it tidy and you do everything you can to keep keep it like that and try think of your diet and your energy balance as a new car and you want to keep it clean you want to keep it tidy you want to um look after it basically you don't want to let let it just become an absolute mess where there's like empty bottles and like jackets and blankets and all sorts shoved on the back seat um look after it is basically what I'm saying um and I think that is it yay we got there we lost one Libby's fun died or something but we got there um any questions? I'm going to stop this, stop the screen share now and come back here. Well, thank you for bearing with me. Um, I know I went off on some tangents then, but I really appreciate you taking the time to watch this and listen. Um, and if you do have any questions, feel free to shoot them my way. Um, and I, I have recorded this, so I'll send it out. Um, but if not, then I will see you all soon. Thanks. Thank you. What am I doing?